mastering the etiquette and threat landscape when operating in West Africa. If you do not have the right network, you do not have the right training, and you don't understand the environment, you're set up to fail. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Traveling to West Africa, it's not really died down over the pandemic. It's kept strong. The EP community has been kept busy. And so we're very, very pleased to be talking today to Hilda Dafe Nwachuku, uh, who is the Global Security Director at Cummins, uh, often based in Nigeria, but now a global role. We're going to be talking about etiquette. We're going to be talking about global travel provisions in quote-unquote West Africa. Um, I'm here with Elijah Shaw. Why is this such a timely topic? Well, let me first say I'm, I'm really bummed that I didn't have the opportunity to sit in with you guys and conduct the actual interview because I, I was really looking forward to this one. There is, you know, when you're dealing with that part of the world, there's some insights that you can get that you just don't get anywhere else. And I think that our guest tonight that did a good job at presenting those challenges, relating them, translating them to the Western world, and, and we can talk about the synergy that goes back and forth. Indeed, and, and, and I think, you know, first off the bat, we're not suggesting that there is a West Africa to travel to, just as there is not a, an, an Africa. You know, East Africa looks and feels very different to Central Africa, to West Africa, but, but even there, and, and I think we'll go through this, there's a very different feel between Francophone Africa and Anglophone Africa. Um, I, I don't know, you know, have you done trips to this region and, and have you picked up on some of the cultural nuances? Oh, quite a bit on my part. Uh, in fact, we, we have some licenses inside actual Nigeria. And so that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to make sure I got on this call, but unfortunately my schedule prevented it. Um, but, but, but to your point, yes. Everyone, you know, uh, we, we kind of joke on, on this end, you know, you know, Africa's not a country, it's a continent. And when you get in and drill down in that continent, you have different countries. Uh, and so even when you're thinking about regionally, you're still going to have these separators. And so, uh, and so it's the professional security specialist who understands those nuances, who understands those different protocols and are able to translate that both to their client and to their team. In, indeed, because on a very, you know, easygoing level, you want to say something like Ese or Akaro in Lagos, but you want to say Sanu Malam, Sanu Daiki up in uh, Abuja in the north of Nigeria. Very, very different culture. And Check you, know, you out. Well, no, it's, I used to run events in, uh, in Nigeria and Ghana. So just a, a couple words, it's actually the extent of my knowledge, right? But a couple <laughs> of words suddenly opens a few doors. But more than that, and, and what I found, uh, you know, personal experience, um, everybody in Nigeria, for example, wants to speak with a very high register, a very, uh, very, sure. uh, you know, advanced um, uh, written English wherever possible, right? So, mm -hmm. I guess if you understand that, then 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 you you too can begin to do it. Like when you write letters officially. Um, absolutely use the most, uh, you know, high register of English. That's the same in the French world. In Senegal, 
you, you might be able to speak some Wolof, but uh, excellent crisp French will go very well and poor French will not go very well. Mm, um, okay. it's, it's just these little things that um, perhaps people don't think about. Um, what are some of the other cultural nuances? Because I know even just recently you've been to East Africa and, 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 and again, a new set of uh, nuances to take note of. Sure. Well, let me first mention, that's what I think the wonderful thing is about the Circuit Podcast, is that we bring these stories from literally all over the world, and we bring these different perspectives from all over the world. Uh, and, and I just think it's a, it's a great thing. And so, you know, those that are interested in listening to the podcast can pick up these jewels uh, and these, again, perspectives from they answer questions they, they, they might not even have known they had. And so, uh, uh, and, then, and then to your second part, um, yeah, I, I just got back recently from Angola, which was an, ex an experience in and of itself. Um, with that said, I was a little bit removed culturally uh, because we were confined due to some COVID restrictions to a pretty tight bubble. So the protective bubble that we were in, and then also the medical bubble that we were in prevented me from interacting a, a lot with the, the countryside, but I did, um, get to interact with security professionals uh, and, and local liaisons. And the important thing with that, my takeaway is understand or respect the culture and you'll get much more mileage than if you go in there, particularly with a strong, you know, Western attitude as if ours is the only way things get done. Mm. And, and that attitude and perhaps preconception it's, it's what we want to change on this podcast, you know, sure. and a lot of people are talking about, oh, terrorism, this, and, uh, you know, kidnap and ransom that. And yes, that is uh, a big problem, but, mm -hmm. uh, I would put it to you and I, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's nowhere near in the same magnitude as car crashes or petty crime. Sure. Um, sure. so, so, so it's a bit of a balance, isn't it? Well, I, I think that's the case everywhere. So of course the sensationalism of, of, you know, crimes that involve bodily harm, crimes that involve, uh, death or, you know, those are going to lead, those are going to be the headlines. And so when you're an outsider and that's all you get, you kind of lose perspective on some of the local, uh, or, uh, micro issues that you can face much more commonly. You know, we, we talk about that uh, in close protection circles, which is if we're protecting a protectee, it's much more likely they'll have a medical emergency than they will some, you know, an assassin, you know, shooting them in most theaters. And it's the same thing. So, you know, we think about operating in certain parts of the world. And again, in the case here, we're talking about Nigeria. And yes, there's problems in the North. Yes, you know, th yes, there are issues of, of terrorism, uh, of extreme violence. But you know, much, much more often in terms of protectors uh, and uh, security managers, the issues that we're facing are a little bit more mundane. Of course, we have to keep the big picture in mind, but we also have to make sure, you know, access control is in place, uh, contingency plans are in place, uh, business interruption plans are in place. That could happen from a number of common things, you know, including just the weather. Indeed, the weather, as we discovered on our West African event, it's very important that there are no thunderstorms in Lagos if you want someone to join a Zoom call. <laughs> I Great think point. I, in, in fact, I had the same issue in Angola. I was trying to connect and uh, that storm was in it. Like, now it's not going to happen. 
I like it. Well, you know, this will be very interesting. We're going to talk to Hilda uh, about the threat landscape, you know, reality versus the hype. Uh, and we're going to talk about protocol nuances and just being, uh, you know, polite to get the job done. So this, this, this will be great. This, this is Hilda Duffy at Nochuku from Cummins, and we're going to talk traveling to West Africa. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. Corporate security in West Africa. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Hilda Nwakchukwu from Cummins. And Hilda has recently been uh, anointed as the Global Crisis Response Manager. But Hilda, you know, of course, you do have a fantastic background in West Africa and in Nigeria. Um, and, and, and it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Kalim. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm very well. Thank you. I love it. I love it. And great to catch you. Um, I'm here with Sean West and uh, together we're going to explore what, uh, you know, everyone should think about when operating in West Africa. Um, of course, people have a lot of global operations, but West Africa, we've, we've done a fantastic uh, West Africa Circuit Magazine event, which is where we, we first welcomed you. And, uh, but, uh, but one thing I'd like to do with these quick fire questions, I've got three quick fire questions. Can you tell us a little bit about the threat landscape? Um, what is the problem that corporate security is really trying to solve in West Africa, quote unquote, uh, right now? I think one of them will be around travel security, you know, given how large West Africa is. And then in terms of risk ratings, right, we have several risk ratings. So whereas we go to Ghana, which is just by the corner, and the risk rating is, is, is low. We come to Nigeria, it's different. To go to Mali, it's different. So just understanding that West Africa is, has, you know, a number of countries with, with different risk ratings is something I think that, you know, you know we should all, all look out for. So that's travel security is, is definitely my number one. And then, of course, you can talk about things like insurgency. Um, you can talk about things like terrorism. And then, of course, you can talk about things like petty crimes, right? You, you have quite a number of those as well. So it's, it's, the whole, um, it's the whole scope, right, from petty crime to the, the biggest, maybe terrorism and, and, you know, as, yeah, and, and how it impacts on travel security. That's, that's what I would say to Bastard. Excellent. No, thank you. Like, I, I, I like that. And then on a more personal level, where does your passion for this, you know, cause come from? Um, so I, I grew up in a neighborhood that was pretty unsafe. So I found myself really just trying to stay safe. And so it became a part of me, right? Being the one who would always, um, you know, you know, reach out to friends and family, um, to say, Hey, listen, we should do ABC just to keep safe. So it just became a part of me. So I think safety, I think security, I think about, you know, uh, um, even before my job, before I, I told the career in security, I'll think about, you know, the homes we're going to live in, is it the last one on the block and those kinds of stuff. So growing up in that neighborhood, which was pretty much unsafe at the time, right, you know, really um, um, drew my passion for security. And yeah, that's what I want to say. 
No, that's inspiring. I, 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 I like that. That really, that really shines through. And for the benefit of the completely uninitiated, and of course, we recognize Mali is not Ghana, is not Nigeria. Um, but what would you say to the completely uninitiated security professionals out there that have not considered uh, what's going on in West Africa? Um, I, I would say um, you need to be in touch with what's happening. Reach out you know, maintain networks, right? The best way to do it is just to maintain network. What, what I've found out is if you are in, in, you know, you have a network, a rich network where these things are discussed, even though you may not find the need for those information at that time, it gets into your subconscious, right? That stuff is happening there. And then, you know, it just prepares you for, um, you never know when, right? You will need those information and then have those right networks um, with which to advise your client or your company or your employer or whoever, or even family who, who decide to do business or just travel for weekends in these areas. Cool. Just thinking of West Africa, I've spent a lot of time there actually, um, in Sierra Leone and Guinea. I love the place. I love to travel there, although I don't get to go there very often these days. Just like to ask, what should international security operators or professionals do to prepare, to prepare for a trip to the region, West Africa. So what we do, as you know, with security, the security situation is very, one minute it's calm and the next minute is, it's, it's very bulky, right? But watching those indicators, at most times you have indicators that suggest that there's going to be unrest uh, um, soon. So watching those indicators very closely and doing an assessment for each traveler of each individual who's meant to be visiting any country and making sure that you know, you have their contacts, you're able to reach them, you have uh, uh, an evacuation strategy, should an unrest happen, you just understand um, the norms in those areas, and then you help these individuals who are traveling. Most times, it's just for business, right? When we have um, business leaders or, you know, technicians going about, they are focused on getting their work done. Most of the time, they are not thinking about security or safety. So just making sure that they understand that there's setting nuances, right, in these countries or in locations where they're going to be visiting and just, just awakening that consciousness, right, making sure that they stay in contact, touching base with them on a routine basis, making sure that they also have a point of contact on ground that you can reach out to so they become unreachable. These are very critical things that are, that are, that are needed, right, just make sure that you are able to ensure travel security. And then it also just helps the individual to focus on work, right? Knowing that people have their back. Yeah, for sure. And I think everyone's very health conscious now in the middle of the global pandemic. And I know when I travel to West Africa, unfortunately I contracted malaria. And I know that's one thing, if, if you're traveling there, you're not used to yeah. that sort of thing. Make sure you get your malaria tablets, vaccinations up to date. Yeah. That's something to be very conscious, conscious of Absolutely. traveling to the region Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, uh, you know, just updating, typically we'll have a checklist, right, of um, medical security contact just to understand where you are from a health standpoint, right? So if we have to, if there's an intervention, we already have some records that we can pull out to help to intervene very quickly, right? So there's no much downtime. As you know, time is um, very critical in, in, in face of a health chat, in, in face of a health situation or a security situation. Well, Hilda, Hilda, can I build on that on, on, on sort of the soft skills in a way? Because 
I, I remember I, I used to run a lot of events in Nigeria and Ghana, even during the Ebola, um, you know, episodes. Um, and, and what I remember was some of the soft things like etiquette were, were, were really important. And people in the Francophone world, for example, were very, very keen to have excellent French, not, not good French, but excellent French, for example, it was very important. And, and, and I, I know we, for example, in Nigeria, um, written, uh, letters have to be exceptionally considered and, and there are some key phrases and so on. And may, maybe you could bring some of that etiquette to life, um, that, that, that people should be aware of. So, yeah, thank you so much for that question. So, so, um, what I'd say is for any individual or for a, for a security professional planning a trip to any county, it's very important that you understand the basics of the culture, the, the nuances particular to that, that country or that state that, that, that the visitor or the security professional is planning to travel to, right? Understanding those basics and just helping, um, you know, the individual who's traveling there or whoever is traveling there understand a bit of these. It just helps, you know, that individual to, you know, get in the flow of things as quicker, right? Quicker than, you know, someone who doesn't know work, right? So just understanding this basic, and it doesn't have to be that deep, to be honest, right? Because, you know, West Africans do know that, that you have a lot of people who are, you know, not necessarily from West Africa coming into the, 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 the area, right? To just do something, to do business or for tourism and all that. So they do understand that you have visitors come in, right? So they, they will not expect you to understand the culture totally, but just having a basic understanding helps them to give you that acceptance. And if you're there for business or whatever, you find out that you're, you're sealing up your deals quicker, you know, because they feel like, hey, this person understands what we're doing. So those soft skills are very important. And usually I'll advise that it, it's containing those travel parks, right? You know, where someone just has to read up maybe a two-pager to say, hey, this is what you say, you know. Yeah. You know, if you're coming to Lagos, you say Carol, those kinds of, you know, little tiny things, right? That just help you to, that endears you uh, um, to, the, to, to, to those who live in those areas. Right? So that's, that's what I would say. It's very important to pick those. It doesn't have to be very deep. You don't have to speak Yoruba, you know, you don't have to speak Ashanti so much, but just having the basic understanding of the culture, the things that are considered taboos, the things that are considered, no, you can't do this, right? Just understanding that if you're going to the north, you probably should not be dressed in a certain way and, and those kinds of stuff. Those soft, those tiny little things do matter. And, you know, it is typically contained in the security brief that's contained in the traveler's park. And could, could you bring some of those nuances? Maybe, maybe uh, Lagos is one place that, Many people will find themselves going to. Could could you bring to life some of that etiquette? Because uh, I I think that would be really useful for for the Circuit Magazine listeners. Yeah. So I don't think you would have too many nuances like that in Lagos because Lagos is very cosmopolitan. So they will typically understand that you're not Nigerian. They understand that it's a diverse population that you have. You may have more of those kinds of nuances in you know, uh, maybe some other bordering states, maybe Oku, Ondo, but Lagos is more, so you talk about Lagos, you talk about Abuja, those are more cosmopolitan. So they're used to having, you know, people, and then it's a mix of diverse people from different cultures. So it has kind of watered down those kinds of nuances, unlike you would have in the core north or the core west or the core east or the core south, right? So, you know, for a traveler coming to Lagos, I will not be so worried about those, those kinds of 
um, um, you know, you know, etiquettes or nuance. I, w- I wouldn't be worried about that as much as I would if you were visiting maybe in northern Nigeria or you know, some other part of Western Nigeria. Okay. So, um, obviously, we, you know, we, we know that you're responsible for all of West Africa. And I know it's very difficult to generalize. Yet saying West Africa in itself is a generalization. Um, I wonder if you might be able to reflect on the difference between Nigeria and perhaps uh, other, other countries in West Africa, because I know that it's all different. It, you know, to go and speak Wolof um, is it, it, totally different than speaking Yoruba. But, you know, what is it that's, that people should expect that's different? So you're correct, right? Um, I, I, I sometimes laugh when people refer to Africa as a country <laughs> uh, because it's, it's, that's a whole lot of countries in Africa and Africa is a continent. Now you talk about West Africa as well, right? You have different countries in West Africa. And then you talk about Nigeria, you have different states in, in Nigeria where, with different cultures, different ways of doing things, different etiquettes and those kinds of stuff. What makes Nigeria different? I would say um, one thing I do know is that, um, you know, there's a lot of diversity because Nigeria is a very diverse country. It's easy, very easy for them to, for, for Nigerians to accept um, non-Nigerians because we're already diverse anyway. So it's okay to have more diversity, right? There's no harm to have in having more diversity. So, you know, you would, you would see more acceptance, uh, you know, of, of um, non-Nigerians, of other West Africans, of other nationals, right? In, in Nigeria, right? That's, that's one thing I think um, really, really stands out. And because of its population, I doubt that, you, you know, it would be very difficult to find, um, you know, you know if, if you found maybe a, a, a Polish man in Nigeria and there's no other Polish man, right? You, you'd have, you'd have, you just need to make some network and you find somebody who you can relate with, who's come from your area. And then, you know, so, so that's, 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 that's what Nigeria brings to the table, right? Trying to, um, you know, compare it with other countries because of how diverse it is might be a little taught, right? Because again, you don't want to cluster these countries together and then trying to, you know, compare them with all of the countries in West Africa becomes very difficult. But one thing I know is that, you know, there's a lot of acceptance for non-West Africans in the West Africa region in Nigeria as well. Perfect. And, and you know, obviously Cummins is an international uh, company and uh, manufacturing based in Nigeria is growing. Industrial participation is growing. Uh, it, it's no longer enough to simply rock up in any given country and say, yes, buy my thing. There must be some sort of economic development. And as such, I, I suppose that means people are going to have more permanent operations uh, in in the region. Um, would you be able to paint a picture of uh, what uh, Cummins is doing and uh, may- maybe some of the challenges y- you face in global security? Absolutely. So um, Cummins is um, very much interested in Africa as a continent and in Nigeria in particular. In 2019, Cummins recently built a, a $35 million facility um, in, in Nigeria that's our biggest own facility in, in Africa. That shows commitment to, to Nigeria, to the Nigeria brand and const- constantly improving the environment in, within which we operate. We are involved in community development, ensuring that 
you know, schools in our neighborhoods are well taken care of. We have a tech program for, for female, catching them young and just making sure that they understand that tech is not just a male thing, but very passionate about women as well. So coming to, it's very big on the, on, on the African market and very interested in the African market, Nigerian market as well, and then West Africa as well. Right. One of the challenges I think we see as comments, you know, from a global perspective, like I said, is as an institution in Nigeria, it's becoming more and more, you know, tough to move technicians from one part of the country to another. We have we have a client base that spreads across the entire um, um, West Africa. So moving moving, you know, text and for us at Cummins, safety of our employees is priority. It's beyond. It comes before any, um, you know trying to make in revenue and all that. So just making sure that we move our, our employees from one point to another in a, in a manner that is safe, right? That, that leaves us rest assured that the employee to be going back to their families um, um, safely is something that puts us on our tools. Yeah, in, in comments and in growth. I like it. And, and I guess one thing we love at the Sega Magazine is to sort of tie different communities together. So. On the one hand, we sort of speak to the corporate security and customer universe, and, and of course, our own community of protectors, often private security, not, not always embedded. Do you have a strong EP presence? And, and what would your advice be to, let's say, uh, somebody, because we do have operators in Nigeria who are listeners, what would your advice be if they wanted to get a job with a, a corporate uh, entity in West Africa? Because people are key, as you said. Um, what would your advice for that community be? Uh, would they have to come from the police or the military? What kind of backgrounds and, and training and, and how should they approach it? Because there's lots of multinationals now operating West Africa. What would they have to do to consider, you know, getting a job uh, with one of them based in the region? Yeah. So I don't think that, um, you know, having, um, you know, a background in the police or the military is um, is sole criteria to, you know, getting a job, you know, as an EP with any multinational or any company. What I do know is having the right training, having the right network, and understanding the environment you are supposed to work in. A combination of these three things is what I will, is what I will need or what you will need to succeed. Right. So you could have um, a, a police background or a military background or a civil service background. If you do not have the right network, you do not have the right training and you don't understand the environment, you're set up to fail. Right. So these are the three most critical, in my own opinion, the most critical things that I think, um, you know, an EP should look out for. Right. Should they decide to pursue um, an EP career in West Africa? Yes, and I think that's the same world worldwide network training environment. That's where you need to succeed. If you don't have the network, you kind of get your name out there. So you need to grow your network, and you need to have the right training to be able to take the opportunities as they arise. And so, and so, Hilda, you know, obviously, um, we know that the ASAS community is big in uh, West Africa, and and you know, we know that there's there's some great things going on. And, but what's next for you? Um, are, are you going to be taking on any more ASAS uh, projects or, or perhaps uh, collaborating more globally? Any more, any books on the horizon? I don't know. What's next for you? Yeah. Um, what's next for me, right? I, I think um, I, I'm, 
you know, having having worked in West African region for most of my career, I'm just I'm just going to be more focused on get, getting global perspective, right? To security, that's that's my my focus, and, and that's my my goal as I get into my new role. Um, just focusing now now broadening my scope beyond um a West Africa, right? Just you know, I, yeah, like I said, I didn't find a network. Right in beyond West Africa, and, and you keeping those networks beyond West Africa, and just you know understanding um, more of global security beyond West Africa. That's what's that's me. That's a great sentiment, and and perhaps one that uh, that everyone can 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 learn from. And you, I don't know about you, but this uh, pandemic has forced us all online, and it's forced us to collaborate more and have more of a global perspective. Um, we, we we spoke with uh, a gentleman called Kenji um, out of uh, Tokyo uh, the other week thinking about Olympic Games. And um, now we're speaking with you. And, and it's, I think that this pandemic is going to make us all a lot more global. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember so many years ago, we talked about globalization. We used to talk about globalization in, in meetings and all that. I think we ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> um, with, with regards to globalization. One thing that, that the COVID-19 um, pandemic has definitely done is that it's it has made us understand that you can reach out, you know, to any part of the world without necessarily moving from your seat. However, we must be careful because, you know, having those, you know, interpersonal relationships are also critical, right? So just knowing how to strike that balance, right? Whilst we do it virtually, not missing out on the opportunities to also meet physically, to just put that human face to stop, it is very critical. So just I, I think, um, you know, finding that balance with working virtually and also, um, you know, trying to meet up in person so we, can, so we can, you know, foster that interpersonal relationship and take it to the next level is very critical because, like I said, insecurity network is critical. Perfect. Well, that seems like a great uh, sentiment to end it on. Um, I want to get back to traveling to West Africa. I specifically want some jollof rice. And I know that, of course... One one form is better than another, but I'm not going to take sides. Um, <laughs> Sean, what do you think about that? Which jollof rice is better? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been there, but yes, it'd be maybe we can go together, Pelham. We'll do a competition. And mm -hmm. um, no, no, I, I I I like it, and I do miss it. Uh, obviously, there's there's lots of wonderful things to you know do and see, and I I just hope we get access again. It'll be it'll be good. And um, well. Well, well, Hilda, thank you very much from Sean and myself. This is a great Circuit Magazine podcast session. More people are traveling to West Africa. More people are going to be traveling to West Africa. And, you know, West Africa is a powerhouse, a center. It's just getting more important. So it's a pleasure talking to you. I hope our listeners are focusing their minds and thinking about their future career prospects now in West Africa. Nice to see you. We will catch you again very soon. Thank you so much, Billy, and take care. Thank you very much. Traveling in West Africa, I feel it is within all of our grasp a bit more. There's more work, there's more travel. And, you know, thank you very much to Hilda uh, Daffy Notruku for, for, for sort of shining a light. Um, Elijah, what, what did you take away from today's session? I think Hilda nailed it. I had the opportunity to listen to her during the West Africa uh, forum that you held a while back. Uh, and so I think, uh, I think she does a great job at kind of conveying the point and, you know, highlighting the, the, 
complexities of working in that part of the world, but also how it kind of translates into the things that we do on the side of the globe. Indeed. And many of the things that she suggests, it's equally applicable if you go to Latin America. <laughs> just think, think about where you're going. Don't, don't, uh, don't take your preconceptions uh, with you. I think that's a great takeaway. Um, and of course, petty crime and car crashes are, well, they're still top of the list versus something really, really, you know, big in the media, um, which, I, I, you know, it's always an issue, but we've got to be realistic. For sure. I mean, I, we don't want to downplay anything, but what we do is risk management. And if, if we're doing mismanagement, we don't want to focus on, uh, you know, the, the sensationalism. We don't want to focus on what I call a sizzle reel and make sure, and, and by doing that, neglect the other uh, important things that could affect the lives of our clients. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll see Hilda at one of our U.S. events because she's now uh, in the U.S., uh, which, which will be great. What else have we had uh, recently? I, I know uh, you just wrapped up a, a, a course, Elijah. What was that? Was that about? How, did, how was that in person? I did. It was an in-person course, which uh, which went extremely well. Uh, we held that in Colorado in conjunction with ESI, so it was another one of my uh, celebrity protection courses. I uh, had a great group of men and women, which I think is important to highlight. Uh, that came out and spent a few days with me, and uh, and we it was it was very well received based off of the feedback. Maybe I should tell you that because they tell me to say it was great. So you should maybe poll everybody on your own. Yeah, please uh, write in. Did you love it? Uh, what What were your thoughts? And 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 also uh, meeting again in person. Uh, you know how was that for for you? Because because I I know a lot of people are itching uh, to do it. Um, and in fact, uh, next week on the nineteenth of August at the Hyatt Regency Phoenix, uh, I am running an in person event the fifth annual physical cyber convergence forum. Nice. And, and there are some familiar faces. Um, Monica, who we had on the podcast not so long ago. Sure. Um, Christian, uh, is going to be there. Joe Ortera is flying in. Okay. Uh, we've, we've also got, uh, uh Carlos Francisco, uh, the corporate security translator who we had on the podcast previously. He's coming in as well. Uh, Chris story, um, uh, and Chuck Tobin. Uh, and, and, and lots of local players that uh, probably people know, like Jason Bio and, uh, and, and many, many more. Uh, this, Christina this Duffy is, as well. This is a great lineup. I mean, that, that's, that, that's going to be uh, something that if you can't attend in person, because as you mentioned, this is an in-person event uh, of which uh, we'll be taking the necessary precautions and, you know, and, and still being safe about it. But if you can't make it in person, uh, you can also uh, access this uh, via the web, correct? Well, not on the day. We're not going to make it live on the day, but we're going to put recordings later, but only so we actually maximize on-site attendance. Um, I, I, we, we've got to be safe. We've got to be careful. But this will be a very uh, unique opportunity, especially to meet up uh, like with your course uh, after, after a great deal of time. So um, we're going to do lots of nice content, but would, of course, encourage you to attend in person. Uh, Physical-cyber.com. Nice. Now, uh, a little bird tells me that you have an anniversary, in fact, uh, this week, because um, it, it, it is the first year anniversary of the audiobook Introduction to Celebrity Protecting and Touring. Um, how, how has that been for you? Well, the first thing I would say is, thank God for Facebook, because you get those little reminders when you have some anniversary that comes up. 
And I don't, I can't tell you how, how much that's been helpful for me for birthdays that I would have otherwise missed of the individuals. But I guess it is that birthday of the audiobook as well. And, you know, it, it actually brought back some memories. So it caught me by surprise. I wasn't, didn't realize that it had been a year already, but it brought back some memories. And one of the things that it, it that came back to me uh, was how initially resistant I was to actually doing an audiobook. It was uncharted territory for me. And, um, and I know you know a part of this story, but originally I was going to have someone else narrate the book. And as the samples kept coming in, you know, they, they weren't saying it like I would have said it. They weren't emphasizing things like I would have emphasized it. Uh, and my peer group said, hey, Elijah, why don't you do it yourself? Now, again, uh, that wasn't something I was familiar with. Uh, you've got much more experience in, in broadcasting and, and uh, AV than I do. And so it, it was a bit of a learning curve, uh, but I, I worked with some professionals. We got it out. It was quite a task, you know, where somebody might've done it in two takes. I did it in 20 takes, but once it was done, it's labor and love, it, it came out. And it's great to know that uh, because at this point, once it, it went out on all of the platforms, um, I can just sit back and, and look at the metrics. And it's great to know that people from all over the world pick up this book and uh, every day. And so again, it, it's been a year. So that's, that's both humbling uh, and, and also great motivation to realize that, you know, when we're uncomfortable doing something, do it anyway. You know, uh, well, you know what's the worst that could happen? I love it. And, and I'm, I'm really pleased that it, it, it kept you as a narrator. Yeah, I, I, like you, I can't really imagine who else would have uh, narrated it. Well, uh, well so, let, let me know. I'll, I'll send you some of the samples if you want a good laugh. Yes, no, that'll be that'll be that'll be good. And I'm I'm sure you had lots of glasses of water to keep going. I've I've never actually done something like that myself. So, um, yeah, people people should check it out. One year one year anniversary, and uh, now of course in audiobook as of a year ago, um, which keeps the community going, doesn't it? And much like these podcasts bring the pages of the magazine to life, and of course authors such as yourself and you know, uh, you know, we, we, we're sort of generating interest now, just like last week. And I don't know if this is going to become a regular thing, but I'm very pleased about the participation on the NABA app and the BB connect, uh, BBA oh, connect yeah, app. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful to see, uh, men and women engaging on that again, from all over the world, uh, you know, on both of these platforms, which are sister platforms, uh, but you can see that you know, some of the power users, the, the ones that, 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 uh, produce content on there or comment on things that really bring great perspectives. And, you know, to that, uh, I want to say uh, thank you uh, to po uh, Pedro, to Maurice, uh, Everett, Trey, Mohammed, uh, Markiest, uh, and, uh, Jermaine, uh, uh, and Nick and, uh, a few others, including uh, B and uh, Eugenie, I, 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 I'm really pleased because you've been posting the most uh, over this past week. I guess what am I saying? I'm saying thank you, and let's keep uh, <laughs> let's keep going. Um, and on the BBA Connect side, uh, we've had Spiridon, Shakila, um, and John Brunchcomb again with Stu posting quite a lot. Oh, and Susan Dancer, thank you again oh, because all, all the way from Australia. All the way from Australia, that's, that's been awesome. And I, I was actually on a clubhouse session with Suzanne where we were already thinking about the 2032 uh, Olympic Games in Brisbane and the security uh, therefore. Wait, wait, 2032? 
Yeah, because when it was announced, <laughs> when it was announced, and you know, this came up with our uh, Circuit Magazine interview with Kenji uh, Okamoto. If you remember, we were talking about the Olympics, which mm -hmm. has now just drawn to a close with its um, main event anyway. Um, we reflected on what Australia is going to do all the way out in 2032. Hey, it's a bit far away, but why not? Bro, I can't remember what we're scoring on next week. So. Well, at least uh, at least we've got these great yardsticks, and uh, I'm I'm pretty certain there'll be a lot more work for protectors for the Qatar World Cup, for the French Olympics, you know, things like that. So um, it's all it's all to play for. But yes, keep those comments coming, and people have sent in some articles for the Circuit Magazine, and we're very grateful. So keep uh, that coming too for the next edition. Um, but yeah, very much looking forward to the Phoenix event next week on Wednesday the 19th. Let's keep uh, plugging away at bringing to life the pages of the magazine, but also breaking down preconceptions of geographic regions such as West Africa. It was a pleasure to talk with Hilda today. I know she's going to do some great things now in her global leadership role. And yeah, I, I, I want to shine a light on more geographic regions. Agreed, bro. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, one of the wonderful things about the Circuit Podcast is that we can have a global, um, uh, a global network of people to interview, but also those global perspectives. So that's, you know, wherever you are in the world, you can get something from uh, and realize that there's a vast community uh, that's that is going through some version of what you're going through. An excellent sentiment to finish on. Perfect. So from Elijah and myself, thank you for listening to another great episode of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.